like super excited for about three seconds. Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up? Oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then whoop, right in your chairs. So we've got some important announcements. I hope that you all can hear right now. Uh, wasn't that awesome worship, by the way? I just got to say, that was just a good time. I, just awesome. So that being said, uh, 21 prayers. We are uh, 21 prayers. <laughs> 21 pilots, 21 prayers. Also, you know, there's 21 something. Uh, we are in the middle of 21 days of prayer, and it has been really incredible. Yes, we are a church that prays. And 6.15 a.m., just so that you know, I'll say that once now, and I'll say it at the end of this. But uh, we've been coming together for this last week, and it's been incredible to see how many people have showed up. And honestly, the life and the energy, I was talking to Jason before the service, he's just like, yeah, it's incredible. We come out of there, we've got energy for the day. And so there's strength that the Lord has for us uh, and perspective that the Lord has so us, for us. So join us, 6.15 a.m. to 7, uh, not 7 p.m., not 7 p.m. here, 7 a.m. So 45 minutes of prayer in the morning, and uh, we're going to do that all next week and the following week starting tomorrow. Uh, in addition, we want to mention next steps are coming up. So if you're new to the church and you literally have walked in the door and you're like, I don't know which way to go, and you need to know where to take the next step, this is it. Next step, February 12th. Be there. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, sign up on the Connect card or on, uh, online. Uh, small groups are starting February 5th. If you are interested, there you go. There you go. If you're interested in leading a small group, make sure you talk to Melinda Sang. And also, if you, but we want to encourage you to think about community because it's an important part of our lives. As believers, as our lives as citizens in Huntsville, that we would have good, solid community around us. And also, there is a baptism January 29th, and if you have not been baptized, that is one of the most amazing things that we get to participate in, a physical expression of what the Lord has done internally and spiritually. So, I know the Lord has a great word for us through Pastor Joel, so get ready. Here he is. Get ready. All right. Hey, uh, it, for those of you, uh, thanks, uh, Fritz, for those announcements. Uh, some of those, if you want to... Um, uh, follow up, for example, for small groups if you're interested in leading, because we'll announce what groups we have uh, in a few weeks. Uh, but if you're interested in, in leading, you can uh, on, there's a connection card in your uh, guide when you were in, uh, when you came in, you sat down, uh, you can fill that out and you put that on there, whether it's for uh, being a part of a small group uh, or for baptism. Uh, also, if you have a prayer need, uh, as you can tell, our church is a, is a praying church, or if you just have a, a, a prayer uh, um, uh, praise report. You just want to thank God for something. That's on there too. So, hey, we're starting, uh, we started a series last week called Expecting God. So we're in week two of our Expecting God series. And so the question really this morning that I want to start off with is just what are you uh, expecting this year? What are, where are your expectations at this year? We're in the beginning of a new year and everybody comes into a new year, new experiences, new day with with a fresh set of expectations. And so whether you're expecting a, uh, maybe a job change or uh, maybe expecting to graduate um, or maybe expecting a new relationship or a relationship change, uh, there's a lot of expectations that go in there. And so uh, we, we're coming into this year with expectations. What, what, about, what about from God? What about this year, your expectations from God. What are you expecting from God? Remember the, the spectrum that we looked at last week where, where we called it the expecting God spectrum. So somewhere you will find yourself on here, whether it's I'm expecting nothing, you know, or, or, or very little, maybe, 
maybe God will hook me up with a front row parking space, you know, at some point this year, you know, I'm pulling in a target or something, or maybe I can find a dollar on the ground. I'm expecting just a, maybe a little bit. Or maybe you're on the, all the way on the other end, and it's, I, I'm, I'm expecting everything. I, I've got, I have a list a mile long of some expectations coming up. So wherever you, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, we're talking in this series about what it looks like to expect God in your life. And we're looking at what are the, uh, the expectations that the people of God and the scriptures had, and then how much it lined up with actually how Jesus ended up revealing himself. So our passage of scripture, John chapter 1 this morning, if you have your Bible, you can open it there. Um, we also have the scripture on the screen, beginning in verse 29. The next day, John, uh, John here is John the Baptist. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, everybody say, look. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And so then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Verse 35. The next day, again, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? I don't know how you read the tone there. You can read it a couple different ways. I read it, what do you want? It could be, what do you want? Or, I don't know. However you want to use that inflection. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So they were the disciples, of, first of John the Baptist, and then they went to go follow Jesus. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, do, do you like your name? Do, do, do you like your name? If, if uh, uh, Some of you are like, well, my name's not Cephas, so I'm pretty good with it. Um, if you could, you know, if you could, if you could change your name, would you, would you change your name? If you could keep your name, we'd be like, no, I'd... I, I like the one that I have. Um, when, when Lindsay and I were first, we were going to name our firstborn, um, Sophia. And uh, so we, we spent a lot of time, took a long time to come up with a name. We went through, we had the book of names and then the Google list of a, of a trillion names. And then we had all the names, all the names in the entire world. We looked through all of it. It was so hard to pick a name. And so we ended up settling on, um, uh, we chose uh, Sophia. Uh, we picked Sophie, which means wisdom in Greek, and, um, and, uh, and, and so we, we thought we'll, we'll name her Sophie, and we'll, uh, Sophia, and we'll call her Sophie, and uh, we just thought, and nobody, nobody has that name. There's nobody that has that name, and we're so unique, and we're so original, and, um, 
because nobody has that name. Fast forward about four years later, and we find ourselves watching Disney Junior in the most popular Disney Junior shows in all the land. There's two of them. One of them is called Sophia the First. It's about a princess. And the other one is called Jake and the Neverland Pirates. And I just want you to take a wild guess when Lindsay and I talked and we said if we were to have a boy, what you can guess what we were going to call that boy. Yes, Jake. We were the least original of all the people in the world. Disney had shown up and they found out what was going on. And truth is, is that Sophia ended up becoming like the number one most popular name in America. And, uh, and it's a beautiful name, and it ought to be the most popular. Um, but we, we are, we're never as clever or as unique at, often as we think that we are. Where does that desire come from? Where does the desire to, for uniqueness come from? Where does that desire to be special come from? Or, or maybe for you it's less about a desire to be special and just m- more like a hatred of the ordinary. A hatred of, the, of just the normal. You're like, I, I don't have to be special. I just, I'm not going to be like them. <laughs> right? And so we all search on some level for the, for the extraordinary. And it shows up really in the, in the, in the wildest times in, in our mind. That, that, that search kind of settles in. And, and so... For some of us, it's, we recognize it. It's late at night. We put our head down to go to sleep. And just before we drift off to sleep, we have this question that kind of pops up in our mind. Or maybe it's less of a question. It's more of a feeling. And it's just this feeling of, is this it? Is this, is this it? Or, or maybe it was, maybe for you is at the beginning of this year, over the past week, and it's like the holiday, just the busyness never stopped, and you're two weeks into this new year, and there isn't a pace change. Everything's kind of keeps all running together, and the question hits, why am I running so hard? And then this nagging feeling comes in. It's just, is this, is this it? Are we about to do 2022 all over again, but it's 2023? Or maybe you've been scrolling through another list of people, another list of names, another list of potential relationships, thinking the next one will be different. From the last, and this thought pops into your mind as if it came from the bottom of your soul. And it's what, what is it am I actually looking for? Because the search for the extraordinary is deeper than it name. It's deeper than a name. It goes deeper. And that's the underlying drive below the search for the extraordinary. It's actually, it's really just about being known. And there's a, there's a big difference between being widely known and being deeply known. You can have three million Instagram followers and be widely known, and yet at the same time not be deeply known. Nobody nobody actually knows you. And so now we're in a place where everybody's searching to be known, but so few people even know themselves. And so that's what's so powerful about the passage we just read. It's one of the most revealing moments in all the Gospels about who God is and what his purpose is. And it's this revelation moment that has everything to do with identity. With identity. Who God is and who we are. And so I don't have a long message this morning, but I do have a couple points. And so if you're taking notes, I encourage you just to write these down. I got just three thoughts about this text. 
There's three revelations or three disclosures, three um, uh, eye-openers from a God who reveals. Last week, we talked about a surprising God. And this week, we're talking about a God who reveals. And so the first one is this. First one, first revelation that we would be able to expect is a God, uh, that God reveals who he is. God loves to reveal who he is for those who are searching. God loves to reveal who he is. The scriptures point to that. So we have uh, in Romans chapter 1, there's actually uh, verse 20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been seen. And so being understood from what has been made so that people are without an excuse. We can look at creation and God puts it out there and there's this seed down deep in our soul and we know we know there's more not just that there's more but there's there's a creator we can just we can look out and see it Romans 2 says we can know even even in our hearts verse 14 it says indeed when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law they are a law for themselves even though they don't have the law and so they show that the requirements of the law listen to this are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times defending them. God reveals himself in creation. He reveals himself in our heart. He reveals himself through Christ. We just read it uh, earlier, John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So God reveals who he is, but we can miss it. Sometimes, sometimes we can miss it. Sometimes we can miss God. So Andrew and the other disciple in the passage that we just read are standing there with John the Baptist. Now, they are John the Baptist's disciples, and in a few minutes we'll get to the part where they leave and they go become Jesus' disciples. And so they leave John the Baptist and they go with Jesus. But the first day, they're with, the first day that we're talking about, they're with John the Baptist, and Jesus shows up. And Jesus is there, and John the Baptist, talked about it last week, takes Jesus, and he says, I'm not, I'm not going to baptize you. You're supposed to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're going to baptize me. And they get this kind of little back and forth, all right? And so finally, John the Baptist lands on going, okay, I'm going to do what you say. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He comes out of the water, and then you see the Spirit of God descend on Jesus like a dove. Right? It wasn't a dove. It was like a dove. I don't know what that I don't know what, what it ended up looking like other than, I guess, it looked like a dove. And so the Spirit of God lands. And then there's this voice from heaven that says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. All right? So this is pretty intense. How many of you, if you're hanging out in class with your teacher, you're the favorite? And is anybody in here, when, you, when you're in class, some of y'all are still in class, there was a moment a year, maybe maybe not quite a year, maybe a month, maybe a month, where you were that you were the teacher's pet, like you that was you. My hands down, so I'm just saying I don't know if you, you maybe some of you can raise your. So and imagine you're in there, and then the spirit of God descends on your teacher like a dove. I and mean, this is a this is a pretty powerful moment. And then the next day, John the Baptist is there. He sees Jesus walking by again, day two, and he says, "Look, look." John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in case you were wondering, 
who this is. The disciples are hanging out with him. They just saw Jesus baptized. They just see him walk by again. John the Baptist, their, their teacher, their rabbi, look, and he says, look, there goes, John, there goes Jesus, uh, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the one who's going to take away the sin of all the world. And they're just sitting there listening, and nothing changes. And then it says, the next day, so we're, this is three days. Verse 35 says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So John's disciples, Andrew and the other guy, we don't even have his name, they've been searching for the Messiah. They've been waiting on the Messiah. They've been waiting for salvation. This is their one job. And then the one day that Jesus, then, then one day Jesus shows up and they just miss it. And it took the disciples, two of the disciples, three days in a row of John telling them, this is what you've been looking for all your life until it finally clicked. It finally clicked. So how many times does God have to walk by before we recognize him? And I'm not bashing the disciples. <laughs> This is encouraging to me. This is, good, this is good news to me. Because how many of you have ever needed to hear something more than once for it to click? Yeah, all the dudes, your hands are down. They need to be up. Amen, Joel, that's me. How many of you have to hear something more than once? How many of you parents have ever told your kids, how many times do I have to tell you? That phrase comes out. Well, look, man, they're in good company. The disciples literally saw the Lord of all creation, the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sin of the world, walk by three days in a row, and they're just like, duh. There's not even, there he is. It, it took him three days in a row. This encourage, it ought to be encouraging to us. John the Baptist calls out, looks, the Lamb of God. Jesus didn't need to hear John the Baptist tell him who he is. Him, John the Baptist declaring that he was the Lamb of God Jesus didn't need to hear his voice. He had just heard the Father's voice the day before. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had already heard the Father say that. He didn't, and he already knew it before that. He didn't need to hear that. Jesus had just heard it. The Lamb of, the Lamb of God declaration wasn't for Jesus. It was for everybody else. It's important because Jesus didn't need to hear John tell him who he is. God actually doesn't even need you to affirm who he is. When, when we praise God and we tell him he's awesome and we praise him and we worship him, he, he doesn't need to hear it. It doesn't, it doesn't change him. God is unchanging. And so when we sit in here, maybe on a Sunday morning or maybe throughout the week and we sing and we, and we praise God, we don't do it because because he needs to hear it. We need to hear those things. We love being encouraged. Look, I love being encouraged. Like, have anybody in here ever been over-encouraged? You ever, have you ever thought about encouraging somebody and you're like, no, that's weird, I better not say that. They're good. Like, they're confident enough. You ever, nobody's there. Even the people that act like they're the most confident people in the world, it's like bottom, okay? They're not there. And so, but, but God doesn't, God doesn't hear our praise because he needs to hear it because all of a sudden he's changed for it. He, he is unchanging. He, he can't be changed. We praise God. Because we need to hear ourselves declare who God is, and others need to hear us declare who God is. You, you aren't helping God out with praise. You aren't boosting his confidence. 
you're declaring to yourself and everyone else around who he is. The truth of what the truth of who God is, where he is. You're declaring the truth. And declaring truth is important because it's not declared very often. And so that's why so often, so regularly, we we sit there and we praise and we worship and we declare the truth. The psalm says that God is enthroned on our praises. It's not that it's not necessarily that we place him on the throne. He is on the throne. But we recognize he's on the throne when, we were, when we're worshiping and praising him. All right? So I, 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 I think we get that. So, so what can you expect from a God who reveals? You can expect God to reveal who he is, and he does so in a million different ways, but really only to those who are seeking. And even those who are seeking, sometimes... We get distracted or clouded or we're not even really, maybe we're looking for him over here and, and he's over here. And I just want to encourage you this morning, God is a God who reveals who he is and he does it consistently and he does it regularly and he does it for all of us, but we've got to be looking for it. The second one is this, expecting God. Number two is God reveals who you are. God will reveal who you are. Verse 40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard, who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And so Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter or the rock. So Simon Peter's standing there. He hadn't even said anything yet, which is shocking because it's Simon Peter. And he is always the first to say something. Before anybody else says anything, he's going he's gonna to get the words out. He's going to start talking. He's before he even says anything, before he even opens his mouth to prove Jesus wrong, Jesus gives him a new name. So Simon Peter was a fisherman. You, you'll, you'll see later in the Gospels like what kind of guy Simon Peter is. He's, he's, a, he's one of my favorites. He's a, he's a character. What Jesus says here is the last thing that Andrew expected to hear. I can guarantee you. Simon Peter wasn't a rock. He was a loose cannon. He, he was, at least the picture that we get in the Gospels, in these four Gospels, the last thing that you would, that you would nickname Simon Peter as would be a rock. We, you, you, you nickname, anybody ever got a nickname? You ever got a nickname that you liked and you just stuck with you? Anybody got a nickname that you didn't like? Yeah. Andrew is saying, we just found the Messiah, takes him to his brother. He's like, look, he's there. Look, it's there. And before Simon Peter can say anything, he gives him a name. But, but Jesus, Jesus knew Simon Peter more deeply than anybody else around him, even his own brother, his own family. And, and the moment that Simon Peter heard the new invitation, he left everything to follow him. And so the new name that Simon Peter gets isn't just for him. It's also for us too. It's also for us too. God has a new name for us, a deeper. I don't, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, my name's Joel. And so God, when I see him one day in heaven, he's going to call me Keith. He's like, no, actually, it's not Joel. I'm going to change your name. No, I don't mean that. I mean the name that embodies who he created 
you to be, who you really and truly are. We have so many, so we're cloaked with so many other definitions and so many other identities and so many other, it's just, it, especially in this culture, it weighs us down and carries over. And the truth is, is that only God knows who you are because he's your creator. He knows who you are in the deepest parts of you. So Revelation um, chapter 2 says this, um, John is writing to a church here in verse 17. He says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's another way of saying, um, uh, you know, you, you, we all have ears, but this is ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Sometimes we don't always pick up on what the Spirit is saying. The, John's disciples weren't always picking up on what the Spirit was saying. So this is what John is saying. He said, look, anybody that has ears, spiritual ears, let them hear. To the one who is victorious, I'll give some of the hidden manna. I'll also give that person a white stone, look at this, with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. That's, that's you and I, the, the one that overcomes, the one that endures, the one that surrenders to Christ, lives it out, and, in, and walks with Christ throughout your life. One day, the fullness of actually who you are and how God made you will be made manifest as he looks at you and says, this is, this is, this is who you are. You'll get, a, you'll get a, 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 a new name. God has a, a name for you. And until we discover our identity in him, you, you know, you'll put identities, you'll, you'll put on identities that aren't yours and you'll respond to names that aren't yours and you'll try to live out a persona that's not yours. Only God can reveal to you the real you because he's the one that made you. And so you don't have to walk around the church. You don't have to walk around town. You don't have to walk around your house with your, with your head down, moping all along. Just be like, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just this worm. I'm just this sinner. I'm just this. Your identity in Christ is as a son or as a daughter. And so the same rights that you would have as a son or a daughter in the house that's what that's what you that's what you would have in the kingdom. And so I um uh, I was up early one morning a while back in my and I was in my office and my office was freezing. It was freezing cold. It was this was uh, I think it was last year. I remember this is left a mark in my memory. And uh, and I kept going to the thermostat in the house and turning it up. And I just bump it up just one more degree. I was like I'm freezing. I just can't get warm. I bump it up another degree and and then um. I'd go back and I'd do some work and then I'd go back and I'd go back and I'm like, I'm freezing and I'd hit it again. I'd bump it up another degree. And then eventually I came out, it's been like an hour. I've got icicles coming out of my ears and I just go, what is going on? And I look at the thermostat and I realize it, the air is on, not the heat. And it's, and it's like, you know, 20 degrees outside and the house is just getting colder and colder. And, um, and I realized the relief when I, when I looked at the thermostat and I saw that the air was on, first off, I got mad at myself. And then I realized all I had to do was click the button. All I had to do was click heat. You want to know why? Because I have thermostat rights at my house. I get to change the thermostat how I want. I can make it as cold or as hot as I want, to a degree, because I share those rights with my wife. And so when I say I have rights, I mean, obviously, I ask permission. And then I... um. Truth is this, is that you have son, daughter, family, thermostat rights in the kingdom. That's the, that's the, that's the picture that I want you to carry with you. 
We have a lot of Christ followers who we just, we just don't know our place in God. You have thermostat rights. What that means is you can, you can go to God for anything. You can go to Him for anything. You can go to Jesus in prayer for anything. Your, your home is in Christ, and He knows your name, and you have thermostat rights. Look, you, you, God reveals who He is because God loves to reveal. He loves to reveal who He is. He loves to do it. God reveals who you are. And then the last one is this. And God reveals through you. God reveals through you. Verse 40, John 1, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. We're going to read this again. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. The first thing he did. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. And so Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Peter's life has changed in an instant. All of them have. What if Andrew never told Peter? What if he never took Jesus to his brother? What if he had never walked with him there? There, the, The scriptures are full of the experiences of these disciples. A lot of them give such good context because Simon Peter is in there, and he's in there, and he makes us all feel better about ourselves. I just want you to imagine, what if Andrew had heard this message, and he's like, ah, that's good for me. That's good. I'm just going to hang on to this one. But he never went and told his brother. How would would Peter's life have changed? He would have never known his name. He would have never known his God-given identity. You're the rock. What if he had never been told? The question is, how do I introduce someone to Jesus? Look, you don't, you don't have to have a, a prophetic word from God or a supernatural miracle or some miraculous testimony to share with somebody in order to just introduce someone to Jesus. God uses powerful moments and powerful words and he uses miracles and he uses these incredible prophetic words and he uses these experiences but if you and I wait on some lightning flash from sky uh, from the sky or some unbelievable sign or miracle then we're going to hold on to our faith inside the whole time and we're just going to wait on a perfect moment this perfect thing that that may or may never occur so how do, you, how do you introduce someone to Jesus? Some, sometimes it's okay just to tell somebody, hey, I, I found what I was looking for. I found what I was looking for. Some of you are like, well, I know if I was Andrew, I know what I would do. I'd, I'd take him to Jesus, and I'd be like, hey, look, there he is. There's, there's Jesus. But Andrew isn't here. Jesus is with the Father. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you introduce somebody to Jesus? What you do is you just point to a changed life. So Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to the Father, and is sitting uh, uh, in the heavens with the Father now. And he sent his Holy Spirit to now live inside of us. 
So I've said this before. It would be easy for me. I know what I would do if Jesus walked in the door right now. Like I'm pretty confident I would know what to do. He would walk in the door, and then I would just do this. And I give him the mic. Okay, I'm done. You're you you're in charge now. But Jesus isn't. He's not walking through the. Most likely, is not. I mean, he can if he wants. I give you permission, Jesus. <laughs> he's not walking through the door. And the reason is. Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because if I do, I'll send the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. And so the Holy Spirit is sent, and he enters into the believers, and now you and I are what the original meaning of Christians was, which, were, which meant little Christs. Little Christs. And it eventually kind of got morphed into Christian. Little, little Christs. And so you and I... Jesus won't come in, but but little Christ, the reason we're called that, if you were a follower of Jesus, is it points to something that's different. It points to something that's changed. And so how do I introduce somebody to Jesus? The answer is you you point to a changed life. You point to a little Christ. You, 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 you say, I'm, I'm not who I was, or I'm not who I would be, or, man, God's given me a new name. I got a new identity. God's brought me so far, not because I'm better, not because I'm better than anybody else, just because I said yes, and you could say yes too. The early church, the early church in the first few centuries exploded in growth, so much so that the early Christians, right after Jesus left, were, were tortured for their faith, but if you fast forward about 300 years, it went from being um, uh, a capital offense for Christians um, to believe in Jesus or to tell others about Jesus to, to becoming supposedly the, basically the state religion of Rome. I mean, the shift was incredible. But the early church didn't grow because of their, because of their, uh, their gatherings, because of their church services. They didn't have cool church services. They didn't, they didn't have them. Their church services were secret. You, you, you couldn't even know about them. The early church grew because people who didn't know Jesus saw people they used to hang out with living a different kind of life and a different kind of story. And they were so attracted to the peace and the joy and the new identity and the new name that these people had that they would say, hey, what is different? You couldn't put a sign out on the front of the building or of your house saying church, which is a sore subject for me because our sign was up there a few weeks ago, and now we're having it had to get taken down, and now we're getting it worked on and be back up in a couple weeks. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't put a sign on the building. You couldn't put a sign on the house. You couldn't wear the T-shirt. You couldn't do the, there wasn't, the services weren't the attraction. The changed life, the new name, the new identity was the attraction. It, they didn't have to have the signs or the billboards or the, all the stuff. The most attractive thing was the peace and the joy that the early Christians had that exploded the church. Let me tell you something that's not going to cut it anymore for church in culture today. Co- cool church isn't going to work no more. It, 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 it's, it's, it's out. Cool church is out. Not that anybody ever needed it or was looking for it. Cool church is out. You want to know what's in? Changed lives, real life change, real transformation, 
something that somebody can look at and they can walk into a service or they can walk into a home or they can have a conversation with somebody and they can go, I'm not looking for all the stuff. I just, can you just show me, can you just show me something real? God loves to reveal who he is. He loves to reveal who he is. He loves to reveal a new name for you and for me. And he loves to do it, to do that through others. Later on, the Apostle Paul is talking to a church that he planted in this city called uh, Corinth. And uh, they're concerned that there aren't any qualified, uh, that, 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 that they aren't qualified enough to be Christ followers. And uh, much less leaders. And so he tells them, no, you have everything that you need. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Paul says this, Look, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. So he's talking to the church that he planted. He said, For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and all knowledge, and God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Look at this, verse 7. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He'll also keep you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day before our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, so Christ Jesus our Lord. I love this. You don't lack anything. You don't lack anything. Let, let me tell you the most freeing part about this whole thing. Peter thought that he was looking for Jesus the whole time, but it was Jesus that was looking for him. What a, what a thought. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, if you'd close your eyes. I, I want you to think about that thought. The, the, the most freeing thing in the world. You and I can be stressed out to the max thinking that we're searching and seeking for God. And the truth is, is that he's been searching and seeking after you. I want to pray for you this morning. Um, maybe you're in here. And uh, maybe if you're honest, you, you, if you're honest, you would say, I, I feel that God is making himself known to me, um, whether it's been over the past few weeks or maybe you've, maybe you've just looked over your life and you can see God has, God has been making himself known to you. Or, or maybe it's this moment right now. And so you, you simply recognize it's now your turn to respond. God is making himself known to you and and now, like the disciples, the invitation is there. This question is, do, do you want to follow? If, if that's you today and you simply want to acknowledge that this morning, Joel, I, I realize God has been making himself known to me, and it's my turn to respond by following him. That, that's your prayer. That's your acknowledgement. Nobody's looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, just as a confession to God, I'm the only one with my, hand, uh, with my, with my eyes open. As a confession, if that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and then you put it back down? Yes, there's an invitation. Yes, yes, I see that. Yes, there's an invitation. I want to respond. Anybody else? Or maybe you're in here and you just say there's, that there's something, maybe there's something in the way. You'd say, you know, my expectations of life have just been smashed. And the truth is, is I need to, I need God to renew my hope already this year. I'm only two weeks in, and I need a renewed hope that God is near today. That's not a bad prayer. That's a good prayer. It's okay to be two weeks in and to need a renewed hope. 
That's a recognition of where life is. If that's you this morning, you just say, I need a renewed hope already. Would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Or lastly, some of you feel a tug in your heart today. God wants to reveal more about himself to those around you, but he wants to do it through you. You, you, you identify with Andrew in the story. It's your opportunity and calling to introduce people to Jesus now. And so if that's your prayer this morning, I just, I just want to be a light to those around me. So, so God, will you call me deeper this year? I want to be a light. I want to respond to that invitation. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down? Yeah, there's so many of us. Yes. I want to be a light. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Lord God, I'm so grateful this morning that we get to expect you. We get to, we get to expect you. God, you're a living God, creator of this world, creator of every person that's in this room. God, you've not stepped away or stepped aside. You continue to lean in and step toward that is your posture toward your creation. And so, God, this morning I pray that you would expand our, um, expand our expectations of who you are and what you long to do. God, give us a new picture of who you are. God, for those that lifted their hands this morning, God, as they respond to you, Lord, draw them close. Fill them with your spirit. Lord, I pray for those that need a renewed hope. God, you're a hope giver. You're a hope restorer. You are a hope renewer. God, that's what you do. You give hope. Lord, renew it this morning. And God, those that you are calling deeper to be the light, the light of Christ here on earth, Lord, I pray that you would make, make us brighter, even brighter, even brighter. God, sometimes, oftentimes, God, we don't even have to use words. Lord, it's just the light of Christ within us. God, be brighter. We pray it. God, and to you be all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What a good morning. It's awesome. So glad to be worshiping with you today. If it's your first time here at Four Corners Church, welcome. I'm so glad that you chose to be with us. Um, we've got worship guides on each of the chairs. I've got some connection cards inside each one. If you would take a moment and just fill one out uh, and let us know that you were here, I'd love the opportunity just to write you a little note thanking you for coming. I promise I will not show up at your house. I just want to to extend a welcome to you personally, because I, I truly, Joel and I are honored that you would come worship with us uh, this morning. Uh, they also noted earlier, so I won't go through the whole thing, but if you want to connect with us regarding small groups or serving opportunities uh, to attend the Next Steps class uh, with prayer requests, all those fun things, that can also be done on this connection card. You can drop it off right before you exit uh, the auditorium, just in the, the small drop box to the right. I was thinking this week, I, I think probably social media reminded me, um, but Briggs and Anna Kay have a team. They are our local missionaries here on the UAH campus, and they're kicking off again uh, this week, um, a big semester of ministering to college-age students. And I love that our church um, supports them every month. And uh, I'm excited. I know they would covet your prayers along with um, what we're able to offer monetarily. But, man, that's a, that's a big calling. And I love that we are connected in some way with that college campus. And so the reason I bring that up is I want to say thank you to those who so faithfully give. You're helping make Sundays happen. You're helping make 
kids ministry happen and, and groups and all those fun things, but you're also putting your imprint, your fingerprint on the lives, I get emotional, on the lives of those students that are in the college that might never come here. But, but Briggson and Akay and their team are called by God and commissioned, and they are on mission. And um, you get to be a part of that when you give uh, to Four Corners Church to God through our local church. We are now investing in them, and we have been for a while, but, man, they're geared up. They're excited, and that excites me because I'm not going to be on that campus, but they are, and they are going with a mission, and they are going with the fire of Christ, of the Holy Spirit inside of them. So keep them in prayer, but thank you for so faithfully giving. That's something you're giving to, and I know some people aren't quite aware of all the things that we do, but that's one of the little pieces that you're able to be a part of. Um, you can give to God through the local church uh, here online by text, or you can drop something off also in the drop box in the back. But thank you. Thank you truly. I know they would say the same thing. Thank you for praying for them uh, and praying for our church and investing in it. Great. Hey, would you stand with me? Uh, I want to pray for you before we leave. If uh, Our altar prayer team, I want to ask you guys to come forward as we leave. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, but if you have a need this morning, and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, uh, our church is a praying church. And so I want you to find somebody up here. Uh, they would love to pray with you. They've, they've, they've prayed up and prayed for you already, not even knowing uh, if, you, if you would uh, uh, be up here or not. And so you, you've been prayed for. I want you to know that already. So if you have a need, feel free to come uh, and pray after, after we dismiss. Hey, would you do this? Would you hold your hands out like this? Now may the God who loves to reveal who he is, may he reveal the fullness of who he is over you, revealing who you are and your calling toward him. May he, the peace and the joy of Christ overflow your life and into those near you, close to you, your family, your friends, and those that you work with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, love you guys. we we'll see you all this week.